Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. So for those of you who got here on time, you might have heard the first song, that happy uh, graced us with was Nachamu Nachamu. Let me start with that. Nachamu Nachamu Ami Yomar Elohechem, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim Vekeru Eleha, Kimala Tsevaa, Kinirza Avona, Kilakha Miyad Adonai Kiflayim Bechol Chatotea. Treistach, treistach, manfo- oh sorry, I'm supposed to do English, sorry. <laughs> comfort, comfort my people, your God will say. Let us speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call to her. Because she has suffered a lot. Her sins have been forgiven because she got punished from the hand of God, double on all of her sins. So for those of you wondering why we all do just keep talking, what's our obsession with this Nachmu today? This is the Haftorah. It is the portion of the prophets that we say every week um, in addition to the weekly portion of the Torah. Um, for this week, as in the past three weeks and for the coming six weeks, it is not related to the parshat, it's not related to the Torah portion, but it has to do with the time. So this is the first one after Tisha B'Av. Now I want to take you on a journey for, journey for a second to try to understand what's happening here. Imagine whoever is the boogeyman in your life. Could be a good, could be bad. Whoever the boogeyman in your life is. That boogeyman gives you a whole list of stuff, and let's be honest, some of the things on that list are kind of totally objective. You're like, why can't I do that? Why do I have? Okay, fine. And that, let's go with now for a boogeyman, keeps telling you, if you do not behave exactly as I want, I will punish you. I'm not going to quote all of the prophets right now, but it gets really, really nasty. It comes to pass, and you don't behave. And the boogeyman comes, burns down your house, kills pretty much half of your friends and family, exiles you from the home, and for the next 2,000 years, you just suffer nonstop. Then you feel really bad. You cry for a few weeks. You have a whole holiday of fasting. And then that, we're going to stick with boogeyman for a minute, comes up to you and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Comfort, comfort. I'm so sorry that for all of you have suffered. You have been punished double for everything you have done. 
I don't know about you, but if someone does something really nasty to me and then they come up, I'm so sorry for what I did. I punished you double than what you deserved. I will punch you in the face. <laughs> like, however you want to look at this, this message is supposed to be something really bad here happened, which in this context is really bad. I want to make it up for you. And I'm trying to apologize. I'm so sorry for what I did. He got punished double. That doesn't sound like opening to an apology. That sounds like the opening of let's keep this animosity going. We're going to get back to that later. And if you think that boogeyman is God, then you're part of the problem. Not exactly, but we're going to get to that conversation of how we reframe what is happening here. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me uh, pivot for a second. I'm a teenager. This is a real story, what I'm about to tell. It is a Monday afternoon. I'm sitting in an apartment that I've never been to before in Barra Park. It's a neighborhood in Brooklyn. I'm sitting at a dining room table. Next to me on one side is my dad, one side is my mom. Across from me is someone that I think I'm supposed to say I never knew before, but actually my third cousin. On one side, her mom, and on one side, her dad. There's a conversation happening almost like in triangles, you know, where my fathers are talking, my, the fathers are talking, and I'm kind of talking with them. The mothers are talking, and um, this, she is talking with them. But I will say it's my first time probably in my life that I'm sitting at a table with someone who is presenting as a woman, someone who is female presenting that isn't myself or anyone I am directly related biologically. So, and it, sorry, that's a word away because we were also related biologically. Someone who wasn't my uh, sister, aunt, niece, or first cousin. After about a certain amount of time, I don't remember exactly how long it was, the parents left the room and we started talking. This is the first time that either one of us are talking to someone presenting as the opposite gender who we're not very closely related to. The conversation went well, and I don't want to focus on that too much. It, it lasted for about 15 minutes. Extremely superficial. We were both given a list of things to talk about. Literally, I'm not making this up. Like, ask about how camp was, and ask about uh, what she does and what you do, and uh, how many siblings do you have. An extremely prescribed conversation, which I guess you have to do when it's the first time you talk to someone who uh, uh, is different than you. And I remember just one thought in my head for almost the whole time which is the roles are reversed. I'm sitting on the wrong side of the table. We'll get back to that in a minute. A lot of that night is kind of a blur, which is apparently a trauma response that I hap happened a lot to me over the next uh, few years. Somehow, a few, uh, about an hour later, after a 15-minute conversation, we were engaged. We were both teenagers. We were engaged for about a year, through which we were not allowed to see each other, talk to each other, or be under the same roof at all. We met again. Uh, anyone here from New York? Anyone here lived in New York in 2010? 
Anyone here remember a ginormous snowstorm in 2010 when the New York Sanitation decided to go on strike? Uh, that was the night of our wedding. And I just felt like that that like major snowstorm was just like fed in, fit in really well. I have that same feeling standing under the chuppah with the whole like going around seven times and everything. And I just have that same feeling. Everything The roles are reversed. After the chuppah was pretty much the second time we had a conversation. And we were supposed to go home that evening and, you know, what we would call do the mitzvah, so to speak. Do the deed, I think you all know what I'm talking about. After just a second conversation ever. That's a real story. That was my engagement story. That marriage lasted for two and a half years. Then we got divorced. Do have an amazing 10-year-old out of that. So I guess it wasn't all bad. And that was it. But I want to compare that to a very different engagement story. Now, I love wearing white, and I see that a lot of you do as well. But Happy and I actually, well, we totally just happened by mistake, but we did coordinate the fact that we were both going to wear white. And part of it is because of Tubav, the holiday of love, what some people call the Jewish Valentine's Day, though I hate that name. It predates Valentine's Day by hundreds and thousands of years. It's a holiday that a lot of people barely are aware of. It's a very, very minor holiday today. But if you look on the Talmud, actually, if any of you, if someone would ask you what are the biggest, most important Jewish holidays of the year, I'm going to guess that none of you are going to say Tuba Av, the 15th day of the month of Av, like this is the biggest Jewish holiday. But the Talmud, pretty much, that's exactly what the Talmud says. Lo hayu yamim tovim Israel. the Jewish people did not have holidays as big as Tuba Av and Yom Kippur. So I assume all of you know Yom Kippur and a lot of people are like the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. The Talmud put these two together. And then the Talmud goes on to explain why. What is Tubav? And they're saying on that day, the Jewish woman would put on white clothes, go out to the street and dance, into the field and dance. And all the boys would come. And everyone would dance. And people would try to find matches. As children, I was always told that that was a metaphor. God forbid that like, mixed dancing, where I come from, was the worst possible sin. We always had a joke that you're not allowed to smoke because if you smoke, you're going to go to a gas station to buy cigarettes and you might meet someone and it might lead to mixed dancing. Mixed dancing was the punchline of all the bad things. And here we have the Talmud who gives us the story of matchmaking in the sense of well, dress up in white, which is, I think, just dress up in really nice clothes, though there is obviously a lot of symbolism to white, and go out and start dancing. Sounds very different than my engagement story. I do want to say I don't think there's a lot of Talmudic error things that I would say I wish we would still do it that way. This is one that I would rather do it the Talmudic way than the way it was done to me pretty much as a teenager. But it is this holiday. It is a day that has been meant to celebrate that moment of going out, putting on white, putting on something that has become to symbolize, white clothes has become to symbolize purity, symbolize cleanness, no personality, no colors to it. Go out and just be yourself. 
shed all of the preconceived notions, shed everything that might have come with you, you just go out into the street. Go out into, well, sorry, again, more importantly, the Talmud says, go out into the field. Go out into nature. And that is how you might find your love. I grew up with a God, and we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow afternoon during the lecture, that I would call the boogeyman in the sky. It was the God who got re gets really angry on me right now. It's, I don't know if it's after sunset yet, but I'm standing on Saren on Shabbat, and I'm using electricity. Oh my God, God is going to get really angry. It is the God of that Hasidic teachings call Yir'ah, the God of fear, the boogeyman. The God who, if you open up and you can think of the prophets and all of those rules, and God gets really, the God, if you think of it that way, gets really nasty. You better follow all of those rules or I'm going to get really angry. It took me leaving my community to realize that that isn't really God. That is humanity. That is people coming and creating something. People coming and imposing their own views of what it means to worship in general, what it means God wants, what it means God is, and then torturing, discriminating, and right now, all over this country, literally trying to legislate my existence and the existence of so many people out of existence because they think that that's, that's why they're, for the lack of a better term, they're boogeyman in the sky ones. And when you think of it that way, you might almost be like, I don't know, this is what I think, this is what we're dealing with, right? But there's a very different God, and I love that Rabbi Jeff started to alluding to it a bit. There's a very different idea of what religion is, but specifically in Judaism. Specifically, when we have an understanding that every person is the image of the divine. And in all honesty, honestly, I'm not up here trying to tell you what God is or if you should believe or shouldn't believe. I'm not that kind of rabbi. I'm really not into Kirov. I'm not trying to make people more religious or less religious for that matter, though if you ask my community where I come from, they're convinced that I'm out to destroy Judaism which is very weird. I think that's a weird place to try to do that, but apparently that's, that's my goal in life. But if you start looking at humanity as every person is the image of the divine, every person is a divine being. If we are trying, we say in the prayer from, of, of Aleinu, letaken Olam We're trying to do tikkun olam. We're trying to create a better world. That does not start by getting people to adhere to one specific idea. It does not start by getting people to adhere to one specific way of living. Because when you do that, you are pushing people into the closet, pun intended in so many ways. You are pushing people into boxes. But really what you are doing is you are removing parts of people. When you try to show up at your state capital and try to start telling people who are not a, a kid's doctor or their parents what they can or can't do, 
when you are trying to tell women what they can or can't do with their bodies, when you are trying to tell transgender people what they can or cannot do with their physical health, when you are trying to tell people who they can or they cannot marry, you are peeling off parts of that person. And when you start realizing that in our tradition, the divine is the sum total of all of us. Every person is telem elokim does not mean that every person has to be tweaked to fit into a specific box, but rather your ideas have to be tweaked to understand that every person has just as many rights and deserves just as much love as every other person. Our only way to really accomplish that tikkun olam, that creating a better world, is by truly, truly understanding that every human being is beautiful. One of the things I've been saying a lot, and I promise I will keep preaching it, so if you plan to uh, listen to me several more times, you will hear it a lot more. And I'm fairly certain I'm going to say it four times this weekend. Tolerance is meant for lactose and nuts, <laughs> or this humidity out here. It's not meant for human beings. One of the strongest messages that we have in the Jewish life cycle and year cycle events is this idea that we celebrate people. We celebrate people for being who you are. We understand that someone being their full self. When I see a person coming out, I do not see someone who now has to fit into a certain box. I see someone fully celebrating who they are. And the only way we can truly have a better world is if we encourage people, not tell people what to do, but encourage them to just be you and be fully you and know that that isn't just okay. That is something that is beautiful. If I make the, bring this home, so to speak, with the boogeyman, if we go back. Because when I read that verse, which starts with a nachamu, nachamu, a double comfort. Instead of seeing a boogeyman who just destroyed the temple, who just, I think something that a lot of people miss on Tisha B'Av maybe is that Tisha B'Av historically became not just about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but about all the bad things that have happened. And so many of them actually happened on Tisha B'Av, whether it was the expulsion from Spain, a lot of the uh, destruction of entire communities in um, Western Europe during the Crusades, and, and so on, so many things that happened on Tisha B'Av. But also during, it's hard to make exact estimates, but I've seen even academic and historical estimates, like not even religious one, arguing that somewhere around half a million Jews might have been killed during the destruction of the Second Temple and like the wars of Rome before and after over that 200 year period or so. The point is there was a lot happening. It was a horrible, horrible moment. But there's something worse that happened during that time. There was the problem of Sinat Chinam. There was the problem of religious extremists coming and starting to tell people what can and can't happen, how you do or don't live your life. When there's something tragic that happens historically, and something almost always across the board, there's two kinds of reactions. There's people who are becoming more inclusive, and there are people who are becoming more, more radical. I love that you mentioned Ukraine before, which is something I've been to that country many, many times. And 
most of my family is from there, and it's something that I actually have a, 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 I feel a connection to. And I see that, that somehow, right now, there's an actual movement, and it seems like it's going to happen, that they're going to start, they're going to legalize gay marriage. Right now, in the middle, when they literally have thousands of missiles flying, there are people focusing on how do we make our country more inclusive? How do we celebrate love better? I'm not saying everything is perfect, but that is one of the things that surprised even me, that that is a focus of people right now. When in other places, without naming names, the opposite is happening as a reaction to, to tragic events. When I read this verse, what I'm really seeing is not God, not the divine saying, oh, I'm so sorry that I punished you double. I'm sorry that after everything that happened to you, there's other people around you who gang up on it. There's other people who come and it's almost like you're being punished double because something bad is happening and then people use that moment as an excuse to take away your rights, as an excuse to restrict who you can or can't marry, who you can or can't talk to. If we take one thing away from tonight, I hope it will be this. Each and every one of us, I'm thinking specifically of the LGBTQ community, I'm thinking specifically of transgender people, of queer people, but each and every one of us, whoever you are, you are, the sum total of everything you are, from the color of your skin, to your ethnic background, to how much money you do or don't have, to which kind of ice cream flavor you like, I don't care. The sum total of who you are isn't something that is okay, isn't something that is tolerable, isn't something that we have to find ways of dealing with it. It is beautiful, not in spite of who we are, but because of who we are, and that is worthy of celebrating. I want to finish with a prayer also from the Mishkan Gava. Holy One who has made us all, tonight we celebrate the LGBTQ community, quench our thirst for acceptance of self, help us to feel your divine presence when others question the righteousness of our lives. Let us come to know that all things are possible in our lives, love and hope, caring and friendship and family. May those of us who are deep within the closet find courage and comfort through you. Bless our community and its leaders. Grant us health and prosperity. Keep us strong as we pursue justice and civil rights. Ease the pain of those who are ill and inspire each of us to perform acts of loving kindness and tzedakah each and every day. Fountain of life, we praise and thank you for creating us in your image. V'nomar, amen, and let us say, amen. Shabbat shalom. As we would say, get Shabbos. <laughs>